0: It feels like whenever the middle of the week begins, it just becomes one super amorphous blob of a day. Mega day. The mega day. And none of it's good.
1: Welcome to checking out the competition between two games, which is what I've decided I'm calling this. And I am talking with Skylar from Stanley Cup of Chowder about these two Bruins games. Sky, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing just fine. How are you?
1: Good, thanks. So we are talking Tuesday afternoon. a few hours ahead of game number two because back-to-back games are just how we live now. And I just want to kind of get an idea from you about how, as a Bruins fan and someone who covers the Bruins, how that game last night felt to you. I'll tell you how it felt to me. Watching it from the Flyers fan perspective, it was the Flyers playing mostly like crap, however, getting the kind of lucky bounces that they have not been getting at all this season, and also taking advantage of them, which is wild stuff for the Flyers this year, and then uh, getting lucky on an extremely fluky play in overtime and winning the game. How did it feel from your side?
0: About the same. Uh, It's it the the reality of Boston Bruins hockey over the past couple of weeks and especially over the last month has been that you do everything right and then lose by one goal um a part of it is that you've been injured to hell so you're always just thinking please just get out of this game without an injury please just don't force us to go any further down into the Providence Bruins roster than they already are and you also have a rookie goaltender who On goal one for the Flyers, you may have noticed sold his house to try to get the initial shot, um, which is one of those things you just kind of have to accept at this point with uh, Halak and Rask out for the foreseeable future. So it, it was a very similar game to many games I've watched over the past couple of weeks, which I don't like, but that's the life we live now.
1: Yeah, because we haven't seen the Bruins in a little while. And this is very obviously not the same Bruins team that was just smacking the Flyers down left and right to start the season. And that's primarily injuries for the most part. Or is it? Is it also some other stuff too? Because, I mean, like, you know, Pasta's still there. Bergeron's mm-hmm. still there. Marchand's still there. I always just assume that with those three guys on the ice, the Bruins are still going to win a ton of hockey games. So. Injuries, I'm sure, are a factor, but are the top guys underperforming as well?
0: Um, I think the problem is is that they came down to earth. And one thing that I think a lot of Bruins fans have finally at least come to terms with is that the bottom nine forwards, any forward after David Posternak on the roster, has largely underperformed. And because you can't... Because they've tried breaking up the lineup in however many permutations that you can decide on. Uh, eventually, this Franken lineup that they created is the best uh, The best of a bad situation. You're already down mm-hmm. at least a couple players. Um, your defense is ravaged by injury. Um, thankfully, Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy are healthy for the first time in a while. So it's not a complete mess, but... All of your forwards have stayed largely healthy for most of the season, and most of them have been underperforming in one way or another. Nick Ritchie, of all people, is doing fine. I have no <laughs> idea why it's him, of all people, that that's making this happen, but he's doing great, and I'm very happy for him. But the problem is, uh, you go down bo- the Boston roster, uh, there are several players who have less than five goals. At even strength or otherwise, you have dozens of players who are well under uh 10 points on the season. And they've played over, you know, 25, 30, even like almost up to 35 games. And they haven't been performing to the level that they're expected. And if you go into their underlying numbers, a lot of these guys who we thought were gonna be pretty good have not been. Mm. And it's shocking. Like Charlie Coyle. Started last year on a tear, and now and now, I don't know what happened to him. So right now, I think the problem is they can't score. And if their best players, which is Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, or Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grislyk, if they're not going all out 120% all the time, mm-hmm. they're not scoring at best, and they're losing at worst.
1: It's very interesting. I see. My favorite thing about this is that there's always something that my counterpart on these podcasts says, where I'm like, "Yeah, it's the Flyers too." And it's the same <laughs> thing with the Flyers. Like, there are so many guys on this team that were outstanding last season, particularly towards the end of it, before you know the world went upside down. Mm-hmm. And now they're just straight garbage. And it's like, wh- what? What's going on? And then you you do start to think, like, oh yeah. The world did turn upside down and everything is still insane. And almost all of these guys, it seems are going to end up getting COVID from playing hockey before this thing is over. And everything's messy because I don't know about you. When we were talking about the season before it started in our like preview pods and stuff, we were, and I think rightly convinced that the Flyers and the Bruins were going to be the two teams at the top of this division battling for that number one spot and at the very least easy top four in this division like easy easy no question these two teams are in the playoffs and now these two teams are are on the bubble right now boston is in up by three points now but two games in hand i believe um but you know not playing well lots of injuries now i don't know if if the covid thing right now is a was it a false positive did they find that out yet
0: um, they only had a couple of false positives. There were a couple of players that were that were on the on the protocol list for a couple of weeks, but they were generally just depth forwards.
1: Halak just went on. Did he just go on?
0: Uh, yes, he did.
1: Okay, I wasn't sure if that one was a um a false positive or if he well, was going to stay on there for a few days. I guess we'll find out today. Yeah, because we just did this yesterday. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like you don't want to make excuses for poor performance because in a lot of ways it's unacceptable. Like all of us have had to go to work during this and perform our duties. Um, But also it's hard not to look at two teams like, like the Bruins and the Flyers and all of the just like random circumstance surrounding the team and not think that like, okay, maybe this is just a completely fucked season and everything that happens is going to be random and weird. And we just have to deal with it.
0: Yeah, it feels it feels like a lot of this season is going to get rationalized away by fans. as like, oh, we didn't make the playoffs. Oh, well, there were less games and everything was screwy, so it didn't count. But I think for Bruins fans, this is more like, okay, we've known that a season like this is coming. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the Bruins as a team right now are good at... Acquiring talent or every once in a while deciding that they want to build around the talent, but realistically they're pretty uh, Touch and go historically with developing talent, especially over the past couple couple of years and the couple decades and There was always this thought that like if they can't get their uh, crap together Mm -hmm. then eventually they're going to have a season where nobody is going, where nobody's going to score and you're starting to lose parts of the core to age or retirement or trades. And it's going to start making things bad. I think a lot of people just want to uh, get through this season as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. Thanks to how close I think we are to that first season of, Oh, we're no longer powerhouses anymore. Yeah. That sort of thing. And there are also the doomsayers who are saying, "Blow it up, just rip the band-aid off now." I don't <laughs> want Th- That is that is a very special kind of Bruins fan which is mm. so, which is lo- ultimately low but is very vocal and I really appreciate the times that they show up exclusively after Bruins losses because it's very very funny to me.
1: Once again, same. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you're you're saying that there's a, a, you know, that fans are are largely going to rationalize the season away. I don't think that's going to happen in Flyers fandom, at least not on the, you know, the portion of the fan base that frequents Twitter.com. I think for the most part, Flyers fans are worried that the organization is going to rationalize the season away and not do anything. And the fans are, at least the vocal ones, as you said, Mm -hmm. ready to blow it up, which is, like, hilarious.
0: I'm not... not I don't think they should. Pro- I think they should only blow up one thing, just one thing. And I'm sure that that will fix pretty much everything else.
1: You and that is like a surgical.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it can be a little more. It can be a little more uh, general than that. Like, for example, a man sized slingshot directly into the Delaware. <laughs> just just an uh, an Allen vigno shaped slingshot, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just one just directly directly to the bottom of the river. And I'm sure once you get that done, everything will metastasize and everything will be fine. Because you saw it over the last couple of games for them. (laughs) They will be aggravating, but they still have enough talent to get through it. And they also have individual talents like Sanheim who can absolutely create, create some magic if given the opportunity. And I just don't think they've been given that opportunity throughout the season.
1: No. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've talked about this a lot in our Slack chat, mostly. Mostly a support group. Yeah, yeah. Where we kind of talk each other down off our respective ledges mm-hmm. on a daily basis. I don't think we're going to we're just going to have to deal with Elaine Vino because he signed a five year contract. Um, That's unfortunate in a situation in which your team is owned by a soulless corporation, whose only directive is profit and bottom line, they're certainly not going to pay two head coaches for three years if they don't have to. So I don't really think that we're going to see Elaine Vigneault go anywhere. Um, And that, I was like super high on Elaine Vigneault. I was super pumped when we got him. Um, Last year, obviously, was great, but uh, I'm starting to learn some things that Rangers fans tried to tell us, but I just brushed it off as them being Rangers fans, so, like, why would I listen to them? About how he kind of, yeah, it, you know, he kind of uh, rides a hot goaltender, takes all mm-hmm. the credit for it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, destroys the confidence of young players. hmm Yeah, it seems to be a thing. Uh, not really willing to adjust very much.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We're seeing some stuff that I'm not loving.
0: I mean, I was a hater for AV for a long time, because it just felt like he refused to learn how to change. And in a league that was changing so fast, especially at the time that he was going into the finals that he went to with the Rangers, uh, I, I just didn't feel like after that chance that th- there was no team that he was going to get in, fu- get in front of that was going to play well. Yeah. So I, I, I understand the optimism, especially given the organization prior to AV. Mm-hmm. But I, I looked at that at the time and said, something's going to go wrong there. That, mm-hmm. that, pull, that guy has a distinct half-life. And as it turns out, here it is.
1: Yeah, apparently it's one year.
0: Yeah, uh, that's actually <laughs> m- much faster than I thought it was going to go.
1: Yeah, really? Yeah, so, I, I mean, at this point, I think we're all just kind of hoping that perhaps we can get some changes to the assistant coaching staff because you got to figure, like, if both the penalty kill and the defense are absolute disasters for an entire mm-hmm. season, and there's one man in particular who is charged – with making those things good. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he should be fired.
0: It's a good idea. It's a distinct possibility.
1: Or, you know, if the power play is abysmal for two years now, actually. The power play was bad last year, too, even though they were good. Uh, maybe that guy. Maybe he should get fired, too. I don't know. I know you're, like, buddies with him because you're both French. It's maybe, okay. Maybe fire him anyway. Take him out to I'm lunch.
0: Sure, I'm sure there's somebody in the organization who can draft a letter in French for you.
1: Yeah. Or even like, like fire them upwards, like all these, like all these dudes get fired upwards. Fire them upwards. Just get them off the bench. Seriously. <laughs> just get them away from the players. I don't care get what Mi- you have them doing.
0: Let Michelle and coach Quebec. There like let, let him let him go scout Quebec. Surely and the Habs him...
1: have a job for <laughs> him. Oh God. <laughs> Could
0: you oh Oh, that would be, that's so good. I want that now.
1: I need,
0: I need him back in Montreal. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. Oh, you just brought a smile to my face. I'm going to be thinking about that all day.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> so what are you expecting in this game tonight? Cause we're seeing the NHL debut of this young Swayman gentleman.
0: Jeremy um, Swayman. I'm very excited for him.
1: Are uh, you just- actually?
0: Yes. Um, okay. The thing about Jeremy Swayman that you have to understand is uh, he hasn't had a, not, a save percentage under 910 uh, since he was 12 years old. Oh. Like, this player has been at pretty much every level he's played and a stellar goaltender. Um, at the University of Maine, he was the guy they put on uh, his. He's the guy who put himself with the whole team on his back and rode them to uh, 920 ish save percentage through the last three years. And even when Maine was not great, uh, they still got a chance to win every night because of him. Uh, For the first three years, he was in the he was in South Anchorage High and the and the under 18 squads and all that. Uh, he was out of his mind and playing with the Providence Bruins. He's only played uh, nine games with them so far, but he has a 933 and has lost only one game. Like this dude hmm. is for real. And and personally speaking, I think that it will be a a very good, a great homecoming for him uh, because he will be joining a team that is a little injured and has trouble scoring. Which is a great descriptor of the last three years of University of Maine hockey, so hmm. I think that will uh, I think he'll feel right at home trying to uh, carry this team on his back because he can do that. He's just he there is no player that I think has been more solid at the uh, at the minor pro and college level than Swayman, and he's only 22. Like this dude could be this way. For as long as he wants to be, or as long as his health keeps up. Mm. And especially after the game that Dan Vladar had where, you know, I think he played fine. I definitely think that his defense sort of uh sort of let him down from multiple stretches of the game. But there were some things that he was doing where he was being a little over aggressive, being a little like biting on shots in ways that they probably shouldn't be, and you know, had having A typical game for him, which was very loosey goosey and, you know, a little not exactly confidence building. Even though I think he did fine, Um, a player like Swayman, who is just a rock, can be a really positive influence even on a professional level team.
1: Yeah, I thought Vladar played pretty. Vladar, you can just
0: you can just call him Darth Vader. Almost yeah. everyone in our game thread does.
1: <laughs> he, uh, I thought he looked pretty good. He left. There were a couple like juicy rebounds there, particularly the yeah. one that bounced directly to Travis Konechny, which was one of those lucky bounces that the Flyers never get, that they got.
0: Like that, that one's even worse because he was on the replay, the Nesson replay that they that I saw. Uh, he was he dumped it out into the slot.
1: Mm-hmm. It was like,
0: yeah. oh, I think you knew what you were doing there, but that's not the right <laughs> thing. I you will... really should just throw it to the boards, kid.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't want to, like, poop on your parade, but I will caution you about getting mm-hmm. too excited about a very young goaltender that has succeeded beyond anyone's imagination at every level prior to getting to the NHL. Well... Sometimes they do slip a little bit. I I,
0: I can understand that, but... um, You see, the Boston Bruins can develop goaltenders, mm-hmm. so... I'm not super worried about that. And Mm -hmm. if, and for the most part, I don't, I think part of the problem that the goaltenders have had through in Boston right now is that they've just had no help. Like they'll do their best and they'll definitely pull out some pretty impressive saves, but the, the defense right now is just pitiful and the offense can't get anything going. And so it's just a, a, chain reaction of downward spirals. It's just bad after bad after bad. And the goaltenders have held the line so far. So, but I think that it's going to be a, an interesting test for Swayman. But I'm, I'm definitely not going to write him off after one game. That is... Uh, well, don't, don't do that. that. That is a... I think that's something that uh, team, teams that have more trouble getting into the playoffs do.
1: I'm feeling this shade a little bit, but I'm just going to ignore little, it.
0: A little bit, a little bit.
1: So I'm also seeing um, from the Bruins, Kevin Miller and Chris Wagner are returning mm-hmm. to the lineup for this game. Do you expect them to make any difference?
0: Um, I don't know. With, with Chris Wagner, I think we know who he is now. He's a fourth liner. He's arguably a replacement level player. Whoever he was in uh, their last cup run, he hasn't been that in about a year um that's that's fine he's a fourth liner i don't really need to worry about that kevin miller i'm optimistic about cuz he is a great physical presence he's your prototypical third pairing uh stay at home defenseman who will sacrifice his body to you know get that shot blocked or get that puck out sort of guy but the problem is He spent so much time on injured reserve and he's just kept getting injury after injury after injury after injury injury that I really don't know what he's going to be at this point. Like he's missed something over 120 games over the past couple years, and that includes missing all of last season. So if he's if he's 100 percent ready to go and he feels good and his body doesn't feel like it's going to snap at any moment. I'm sure he'll be fine, but I just don't know what he is anymore. Mm. Like, he's he's a great player. He's a very active dude, but I just don't think that his body can keep up with his spirit anymore. But I don't, but I don't know. He could very easily be a, a fantastic presence, especially now that he has an outlet guy in Jakob Zaborl on his line the, uh, to, tonight. So uh maybe he'll uh maybe he'll have a good uh, return to form
1: okay so finally sky mm-hmm. give me a prediction for tonight's game uh
0: very much like last night's game uh it's probably gonna be Ew. uh yeah yeah i know it's probably <laughs> it's there's probably gonna be at least two goals scored by both teams um I'm going to say it goes, I, I'm not, I'm going to say that it gets solved in regulation tonight. It's probably going to get, uh, this has all the stink of a late period uh, third goal scored with like a minute left to go. Mm. I, I'm thinking that, and as much as it pains me to say this, I'm thinking that right now anyway, the Flyers probably have the depth required to create that goal.
1: Okay. I admire so, your confidence in them.
0: <laughs> it, it's, it's, I, I'm hoping that at least a little bit of jinxing goes on here.
1: I'm kind of hoping to see because Carter Hart's going to start for the Flyers tonight. And okay. he played against the Islanders over the weekend and for the first time this season looked like Carter Hart. So I'm hoping that that trend continues. And I'm kind of hoping we get like a little bit of a goalie battle because the flyers are good for Mm -hmm. pitching a shutout against a guy who's playing his first game in the (laughs) NHL. Like that's extremely flyers for them to score zero goals on that guy. So I'm kind of hoping we get a little bit of a, like a goalie battle and maybe it's like a super tight, like two one, one nothing type of win,
0: but like a fun one. I'd like that there. I think a lot of people forget, forget just how good one, nothing games can be if they're played, right.
1: A high event one-nothing game is
0: outstanding. It's outstanding. But if you're on the but if you are the team that's up, it's absolutely mortifying. Yeah.
1: I need uh. to feel something. So <laughs> I'm hoping for that kind of game.
0: I'm hoping for five-six just yeah. to feel something.
1: Inject a goalie battle into my veins so that I can feel again.
0: Straight into my veins. <laughs>
1: All right, Skylar, thank you so much for doing this. Tell the people where they can find you.
0: Uh, you can find me at twitter.gov at sky on air underscore. And you can also find me at stanleycupofchowder.com where I will be covering all the latest Boston Ruins news and updates, as well as commentary and opinion, as well as statistical analysis.
1: Hmm. Well, stats are fake, but that's okay. Um... Yes. Thank you again for doing this. Everybody check out the work that they do at Stanley Cup of Chowder. It's outstanding. Give Sky a follow on Twitter. He's fun. Also, stay tuned after the end of this. um, Skylar recorded a little PSA newser that I think you guys should listen to. It's important stuff.
0: It's short and quick, but you probably need to hear it.
1: Yeah, there you go. We love that. Skylar, I hope you enjoy the game tonight. I hope it's fun for everybody.
0: I hope you enjoy the game, too. And I hope that you... you, uh... I hope we both get what we want out of this.
1: I don't even know what that is anymore, to be honest with you.
0: (laughs) Points would be nice. Yeah,
1: maybe. Anyway, uh, go Flyers.
0: Go Bruins. The following was a recording I asked Kelly if I could include at the end of the podcast, and has little to do with the Flyers and Bruins game today, and represents solely my opinion on a topic that has come up in in the past couple of days. It also deals with the heavy subject of transphobia in sports, so if you'd like a chance to duck out now, I am giving you this five-second grace period. For those who will be staying, I appreciate it. Hello, my name is Sky. Over the past couple of days, The NWHL released a statement regarding Toronto Six coach Digit Murphy's involvement with the extremely controversial Women's Sports Policy Working Group, stating that they were working to continue to create an inclusive atmosphere in women's hockey. The Women's Sports Policy Working Group, created by several high profile women in the sports world and backed by women like Digit Murphy, has rightly come under fire for being a veritable wolf in sheep's clothing, an organization claiming to support women's athletics regardless of gender identity, while also making clear troubling distinctions and insinuations between a trans athlete and a cis woman's athlete. And, from a direct quote, believes just one or two trans girls who are decent athletes will displace a lot of females. All of this was previously reported by DFP Sports, Melissa Burgess of Die by the Blade and Victory Press, and Marissa Injimi of NBC Sports and Sportsnet. To say that the NWHL and the Toronto Six have not done enough to properly address this issue nor have they properly attempted to extrapolate to Miss Murphy the reasons why any of the above might in fact be considered bad, transphobic, misogynist, and an overall extremely regressive way to implement policy in women's sports is underselling it dramatically. Exclusion and poorly constructed understandings of biology are not the way to either ensure LGBTQ fans a major section of your audience remain fans of your league and fans of your teams nor LGBTQ athletes, of which the league already has plenty, that they will be both safe and accepted in their league. If the league has any real interest in changing for the better and making adjustments to its inclusion policies, it would behoove them to leave Digit Murphy and anyone who claims to represent the organization she backs out of the process. Trans men are men, trans women are women. Thank you for listening.